Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is episode 256 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I am James, joined once again by Ryan and Paul, and everybody's uh, still maybe decompressing two hours after the Packers very nearly almost predictably blew it against the Buccaneers. But I kind of uh, feel like I, I middled this one pretty well because I predicted. Yeah, you did. I, so I, I predicted basically how it would go. Them just checking down all game. But I also predicted that to win it, they would need to use Romeo Dubs down the field, which is the reason they won it. They just stopped doing it for the last three quarters of the game. Yes. <laughs> so uh, good, good job by me. And I'm glad the Packers won, <laughs> even though it was annoying how they won. I mean, yeah. A road win against a team that the, that's that good is that ever yeah. a bad thing? Like it's not, just... but they were they were pretty undermanned. If they have Mike Evans um, or Chris Godwin or both, they I think the Tampa easily wins that game. So there's that. Yeah, especially with Jair going down early too. Yeah, which, that's a uh, complicated things and. Yeah, man. Uh, Lazard puking on the sidelines. It was just literally <laughs> all, not the skin of their teeth. Also they, a good they held on there. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, uh, more more exciting than it needed to be for a, a 14 to 6 game for most of it. But uh, I'm sure you'll break it all down later this week on reporting as eligible. Indeed. And they and... get lucky next week, too. They get Patriots with no Mac Jones, who um, has a high ankle sprain. It looked like he was dead. Like it looked like he had a broken leg and it was going to be out for the year, but. He will. He has the dreaded high ankle sprain, but could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. Patriots also maybe kind of stink this year, although not, they not look great. better against the, the Ravens. Oh well. Uh, we will wait for for that uh, preview too, because as you mentioned, you kind of nailed it on the the mini pod <laughs> there that I listened. I listened this morning. It was good uh, as part of my routine, and pretty much crushed it there. They're so. not always right, but uh, so, sometimes they're very right, and this was one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also might be right about Brett Favre maybe going to prison. We'll have to yeah. see for that. Getting closer uh, every day. <laughs> um, so if you if you want to hear Paul break down uh, Brett Favre's legal troubles, you can also do that for two five bucks a month over at Patreon. Uh, so I guess that's a segue that we can do. Patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority, both here on this podcast and the Packer one. Five bucks a month gets the mini pods for reporting as eligible, preview of the game, and various apparently legal woes of former Packers discussed on that mini pod. Um, also, Paul, you you have a new Paul Newton original coming to to Patreon soon. Yeah, there, there'll be a little surprise for everybody up there. Basically, as soon as you go there, so <laughs> enjoy. There That's as go. much of a tease as you get. Yes, yes, always nice when we get those too. So, uh, Patreon.com/slash MKE Tailgate. Also. Gets you the minor league extra with Ryan and James Anderson from Rotowire as well as the minor league season is wrapping up here. All right, turning our attention to the Brewers, uh, they are still somehow hanging into this race. Uh, put together another barely over 500 week, but rebounded nicely from a tough Met series. Couldn't quite finish off the four game sweep of the Reds on Sunday. But uh, they are still in this NL wildcard race, a game and a half back as we record this on Sunday night, thanks to the Phillies losing to the Braves in extra innings. So uh, still mathematically possible. But, you know, unfortunately, the Phillies and Padres losses haven't really coincided with any of those Brewers wins. So it still kind of feels to me like they're <laughs> treading water until the end here. And it, it's getting a little bit tricky with the math. So uh, baseball prospectus as of today, has the Brewers at a 40.4% chance of grabbing a wild card spot, while the Phillies 
are at 70 and a half percent and the Padres are at 88.7 percent. That's the rosy projection. If you go over to Fangraphs, they give the Brewers like 14 percent. Of course, as we've been mentioning the last few weeks, the Brewers do not have the tiebreaker over either of those teams. And that's a major hindrance when you get down to uh, nine games to play and you need to be better two games better than them it's right really ball. annoying so, yeah just so annoying that the type i mean it's not it, it's not unfair or anything it's just <laughs> no they you know won those it, games. yeah they could have won those games but baseball used to have the the one game play in for the playoffs which is objectively better like you get another baseball game out of it that's super exciting this is dumb and it's been dumb the whole year mm-hmm Yep. All right. So uh, we got some questions about the the Brewers playoff chances here. But first, let's just kind of run through. So we kind of have this as as the background here, the remaining schedule. So the Brewers have nine games left. They play two against St. Louis and four against Miami to wrap up uh, what would have been the homestand. But then they also have those three games against Arizona to end the year. So nine at home here to, to end the season, which is beneficial when you look at the Phillies and they're on the road for their last nine. Although it's three at the Cubs, three at the Nationals uh, before wrapping up with a three game series in Houston. Uh, Astros should have everything clinched up too. So it's not like that's a super difficult series, but we'll see how they play that one. The Padres, meanwhile, still have three against the Dodgers and three against the White Sox at home, as well as three against the Giants. So that leads us to our, our first question this week from paying member Danny Noonan, Paul. Do you honestly think they're still in the race for the wild card? <laughs> Yes, I do. And it's not because they're they're good at all. It's just that um, the last wild card spot is built for mediocrity. It just is. And like we can look and say we see the Brewers all the time and we see some of their struggles and their pitching injuries and whatnot. But what you have to understand is everybody watching the Phillies is having basically the same reaction to watching the Phillies. And I assume complaining about their defense and lack of um, lack of reliable pitching, things like that. And everybody watching the Padres is like, we spent all this money and our heavily stars and why aren't we taking off more? And, you know, that's how that's going for them. So um, these teams are imperfect teams that they're chasing. And it, it like, I know we say random chance on this a lot, but like there's not a good team here that's underperforming. These are just mediocre teams and whoever gets hot the last 10 games here is the one that's going to make it. And they're all pretty much equal. Um, so that, that's that. They're still alive. Not because they're good, but because there's a slot for teams that aren't good to get in. By the way, they can still win the tiebreaker with the Cardinals if they sweep them. Oh, there we go. There is that. Just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. It doesn't matter, but they can. That must be those uh, spare couple of uh, hundredths of a percentage point that are just hanging out there. Hanging out there, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're, eight, they're eight and nine right now against St. Louis. So if they sweep them, they'll win the series. Well, we got that going for us, which is nice. And they're pretty much going to need to. We were talking before we started here about what it was going to take, but there's a question coming up on that in a moment. I guess mm-hmm. uh, one thing to go back, actually. So, James, you got this from me from a tweet, and I made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, there's actually uh, the Phillies have one more game. They have a double header against the Nats in there. Oh, okay. So they actually so four do, against the Nats. Yes, yeah, so they actually have four against the Nats. So we uh, we need to adjust for that, and it is. It, it actually does make things a little bit weird for it because we we're talking about this and like, you know, if the Brewers were to go seven and two to finish the season at this point, like what would that mean the other teams need to do? And 
yeah, you'd need the Phillies to have a losing record. You'd need them to go four and six. So to to actually make it. And it's it is frustrating. This thing about the no tiebreakers thing is purely being done. Understand it's purely being done for TV. This is which is stupid because those tiebreaker games have to get pretty good TV ratings. They generate interest and whatever, but this is being done to appease the TV schedulers so that they can work all this in and everything is set up exactly the way that Fox and TBS and MLB Network, well, I guess MLB Network is just an extension of the league, but it's this yeah. is why it's being done, is so that they can they can have their set schedule. And it's also why in the first round, there's no travel in the first round. I mean, the, all those games are being played at whoever the, the team with the better record is. So there's that. But then in the... It was the LCS, right? There were well, no... No, I think it's the wild card round. What used to be the five the five game round. Um, yeah. What I guess used to be the wild card round. I don't know what it'll be called now. The divisional round, maybe before the championship <laughs> round. Whatever they decide to call it. I'm just using the NFL model at this point. But whatever they do decide to call that, um, I think that round only has one travel day instead of two. So I'm not sure exactly how they're making that work. So they're 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 doing something with that one too. It's I do not appreciate that you have a 162 game season that comes down to a random ass tiebreaker from games played back in may and that's it just is silly but every game counts then ryan i I mean yes (laughs) well and like the all-star game counted too right like that was that was a great idea (laughs) shouts to bud for that one so it's not great but ultimately Whoever ends up in the the second wild card spot, or I guess it'd be the third wild card spot in the NL this year, is going to end up with what eighty seven, eighty eight wins probably. Yeah, something like that. I mean, and it could be like close to ninety. You could be pushing up that high if everybody kind of gets hot here down the stretch, and there's obviously no games left between these teams, so there's no reason that any of them has to lose, and they're for the most part playing bad teams or maybe good teams that aren't going to necessarily be interested. So right. I, I don't know how much any of that really matters. So, but I, yeah, I, I think that what you were always going to get from this system is, you know, more mediocre teams into the playoffs, which is what baseball wanted all along. They wanted bigger playoffs, not just for the TV revenue from having another round of playoffs and being able to showcase that and whatever. But I think, there is also the advantage of the more teams you let into the playoffs and the more randomness you allow in there, you change the calculus on what teams are willing to spend. And granted, we were very happy in the offseason. Remember when we found out that we were getting the the buy system in there? So we were yeah. we were getting the tiered playoff system. So there were gonna have, there was gonna be an advantage yep. to winning ninety five versus winning ninety two. And that that was really, really important. Like that <laughs> needed to happen. And that is going to end up mattering quite a bit. But there's still all kinds of weirdness with this system. Have you guys heard? Joe Sheehan has really talked about it quite a bit on various podcasts that I've listened to. And going into why being the uh, the sixth team in the playoffs is in a lot of years going to be better than being the, the uh, fourth or fifth. Like I haven't seen that, but no, I, but that's, that's pretty. Been... That's pretty common, I would yeah. say, in in tiered playoffs. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. to hear it. Well, yeah, because it's common in the NFL. That that problem has also come up 
in yep. the NFL system as well. But it is just a thing that's worth noting and something that they they can fix. Uh, reseeding fixes that, first of all. And that's yeah, a thing in true. baseball you absolutely can do, right? Because you're not yeah. – nobody's filling out brackets for this. So, like <laughs> – Right. I think right. people hesitate to do the reseeding. But the NFL is the most popular postseason tournament in our country, and they reseed. So what the hell? Just go ahead and jump on that. Like, you don't need to have it it laid out in, you know, in stone ahead of time. It's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, specifically this year, I've thought for a while now, like, if the Brewers are going to make the playoffs, like, in some way, half tanking to get the sixth seed and then play the Cardinals in the first round is a hell of a lot more attractive than playing the the loser of the Mets or Braves race in the first round, right? True, and then true. Mm-hmm. And then you can avoid the Dodgers for another series uh, also. So, like, that, that seems beneficial to me, but... You know, it doesn't seem like the Brewers are going to be in a position to really uh, negotiate this at this point. It's just yeah. get in. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I do. I want to point out one quick thing, which is since I was arguing about it earlier today, um, the, the Nationals will play a big part in the Brewers fate. And boy, are they bad. They yeah. uh, they suck something awful. They're two and 13 against the Phillies. And they're basically that record against everybody in their division. Uh, they're three and fifteen against the Marlins, four and twelve against the Braves, and uh, where are the Mets? Five and eleven. Hey, not too bad. Um, that's that's incredible. Um, that's really just awful. And they've also been awful lately. In case you're hoping they've been hot lately, they have not. Um, they they had a brief hot spell against the Mets and Cardinals at the start of September, and they basically just have lost continuously since then. They had a brief bit of comp- competence against Miami, where they eked out a couple of one run and two run games but they're all they're just they're terrible that's going to be the biggest impediment the brewers have got to get really lucky with some nationals hotness at the right time yeah yeah and they're also three and three against the brewers <laughs> i think the brewers yeah, caught yeah, them yeah. during Damn one it. of yeah. the this uh the rare spells where they were competent yeah uh, during that's the annoying year. that's really annoying yeah i mean they definitely they got them early before they had traded away juan soto so that was definitely a thing before they had you know pulled out the rug on this season completely by getting yep. rid of Soto and Bell. So they had a little bit of competence there at that point, but yeah, it's not uh yeah. it's not great. It's not ideal. It's not what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, if or when the the Brewers miss the playoffs, it's weirdly as much as we talk about the offense struggling against the good teams, it's going to be not beating the shitty teams. It really that's gonna is. Cost that's going to that's going to be it. Except for yeah. Cincinnati who they went 13 and 6 against. So yeah. that but- one that they were like out what, okay. nine and ten against the Cubs. That's annoying. Like, yep, that's nine and ten against a bad, bad Cubs team. Eleven and eight against a bad Pirates team. Yeah, yeah, not great. Yep. All right. Uh, so yeah, we were kind of talking before we did the pod, trying to to do our you know probability tables and, and such. But PJ Wessel's question here uh, kind of gets to the root of that. PJ is asking, what is the minimum number of wins the Brewers need to make the playoffs? The and minimum, right, huh? Yeah, Ryan, you threw out seven and two, and I feel like that's kind of where we landed. Whereas improbable as that is, I mean, just the fact that they're two games back and need to be one game clear, right? Like that mm-hmm. is that the line? Seven wins out of the next nine? Yeah, I mean, if you get to seven though, you still need Philly to play below five hundred ball. Or yeah, that's uh, the big problem. The Padres to go completely in the tank. So, I mean, to feel good about it, like I would feel good if they won. Uh, you know nine out of nine like I would feel pretty good that they're gonna get in at what would that be 91 wins 
Yeah. You know, I and feel if, like if you don't at that point, you kind of just are like, okay, well, tip your cap. Like you made your run and it just, it didn't come up. I feel like the, the Padres have a, a higher chance of going in the tank. Whereas the Phillies, I think have a higher chance of being like mediocre that you can catch by playing well. That's kind of how I view them because um, it's very possible that the Padres will just get swept by the Dodgers who are, you know, still their own juggernaut selves. And the White Sox are not, they're not good by any stretch. They have a dumb manager and they play stupid baseball, but they are at least talented and could maybe pull something off. And then the Giants are fine. So, but it's not, it's not great. But that, that's uh, dumb of, manager is done for the year. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and possibly done forever. As he's, the I, I'm sure he's done club. forever, but dumb manager has dumb managers that work under dumb manager. You know, it's a whole staff of dumb. There's people, that. So. I mean, um, Cairo's yeah. probably okay. I would, I'd have to see. I haven't watched. Zero I mean, White Sox. It's probably good that Larus is gone in the grand scheme of things. You might get yeah. a little a, a Dale Swain bump, if you will. But mm, uh, sure. I, that seemed to be what was going on. <laughs> the players seemed to actually enjoy life for a bit there after yeah. after a good old Tony left. But yeah, still not a great team. But no. I don't know. I think I'm with you. Like the Padres maybe are are still the best chance to kind of fall back just based on the schedule and I think oh, if you're looking at playing? if you're looking at the minimum to get in, that it's the pot, the Padres could go like two and something over the last part of it's possible. It's not likely, but I feel like that's something that could happen. So, yeah, the problem is is that the Padres have better starting pitching. Like their their starting pitching has been pretty good, so it, it, that's going to be harder to to get them to just like completely collapse and fall apart. The Phillies, at least, like they're good up top as far as their starting pitching goes, but it gets weaker towards the back end. And they are going to have a doubleheader in here, and they don't have any off days left. Well, they have sorry, they have one off day left, and then they have a doubleheader built in because the Brewers play nine and they play ten, and we have the Brewers have an off day tomorrow, and then they play straight out after that. Yeah. So, I you also can just hope that like <laughs> maybe things just go badly on the road trip, and it starts to become like a death march to the end, and. Though, honestly, the pressure would probably ratchet up more at home if they were faltering and things were starting to look bad. Those fans would get on them mercilessly. Being on the road might be something of an advantage even. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) On the the Padres side, like the Dodgers, they've gone four and 12 against the Dodgers. Not that surprising. They've been outscored by 59 runs against the Dodgers. They've scored 41 runs and given up 100. So, like, if you... If you want to look at just getting off to a bad start, that's a good place. And against the Giants, who they finish with, they're eleven and five, so they're good. But their run differentials even Stevens. Like there's a lot of a lot of luck baked into that one. So uh, I, I I think that there's some potential there for some falling apart. That, that's I'll be keeping an eye on late game for sure. I'm not giving up on the Padres choking this away yet. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny about this year's field is if you look at it kind of up and down the the field. I somebody was talking about this and I can't remember who, but they're basically going through the fact that the Dodgers, their bullpen is kind of a mess. And it, it gets it gets covered up by the fact that their starting pitching is very good, deep. They went a lot of blowouts. They went a ton and of They score the a team. ton of games. Yeah. But like they're gonna have Craig Kimberl closing games for them, maybe. Uh, <laughs> he got he just got fired in the last few days. So yeah. did he? Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's, old it's information. a committee approach going for the for the rest of the year, but yeah. I mean, they're going to have to, but they still don't have, you know, a ton of good proven bullpen arms towards the end there. 
I was kind of thinking that like this year, if the Brewers could find a way to sneak in, I would feel pretty good about their chances. One, because they'd be closing hot. And so you always feel good about it in that case. Like that always, you, even if it's a, a myth, even if nobody has over time, Jay Jaffe has looked at this. A lot of people have looked at this, that yeah. going into the playoffs hot is really not an indicator of likely success in the playoffs. It is not at all. That yeah, is definitely true. And so like that is kind of BS, but you always feel better. Like it always seems <laughs> better. And like last year, you could definitely say that the Brewers offensive woes started about two weeks left in the season and they just weren't scoring runs. And then it carried yeah. right over into the postseason. So like that part of it was it, it wasn't an indication of like uh, of hotness so much as it was just like the offense is not functioning right now because they had guys who were hurt. And then those, some guys came back, but they weren't ready to hit really they weren't like adamas and uh escobar and those guys were not hitting during that series so it was yep. something of a problem um when they'd relied on them so much during the second half when they'd been a hot team so but anyway getting back to my point i think that i would feel weirdly good about them having a chance to make a run if they could get through this but it's going to be tough because they've just dug themselves a hole with so many you know Stupid losses like you're going to have losses yeah. like Monday night against the Mets where you just get beat, even though that like on paper should have done better because Corbin Burns was pitching, but he was also pitching mm -hmm. against Scherzer, who is perfect through six or whatever. But they had a big lead on on Tuesday and blew it. And that has been sort of a recurring theme of the second half that you've had these like all in all, the bullpen hasn't been terrible in the second half, but it's been just bad enough way too much. Mm hmm. <laughs> like it was right, that night. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sunday, you have the Keston here getting hit by a ball and costing them a couple runs early in the game. And, you know, they never scored after that. And you just go. So, so damn stupid. Yeah. It's really it's just it is annoying. It's just dumb. And it's one of those things that, like that really shouldn't happen. You never should get hit by a ball that's coming through. Or if you do, it should have to take like a really weird, wicked bounce that like nobody could reasonably anticipate. And that wasn't what happened. So he just got hit. Like it, it nicked him on the back of the ankle, and that just like that can't happen. And it, it ended up playing a big role in them ending up losing that game. So mm -hmm. you can't say for sure that things would have played out differently had they scored, you know, three runs early. Things could have gone very differently after that, you know. But you just it it, it is frustrating because it's such an unforced error, and you hate to see it. So. But ultimately, they've they've been a pretty yeah. good team down the stretch. It's just like they can't get out of their own way in some of these games here and there. And it just that part of it is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I mean, we we looked before we started to they're what, 13 and in 10 in September, uh, so 11 far? after 13, today. 11, 13 and 11 after today. So, I mean, again, yeah, just just high enough to keep your head above water and not not drown. But uh kind of flailing here a little bit and mm -hmm. uh yeah the stuff like the custom hero play it's it's cliche but it, it's the kind of thing that doesn't happen when you're a playoff team and does happen when you're not and it's kind of symbolic in that way but also right i think i'm with you that like just it it would figure that this stupid ass team that we all have grown to like barely tolerate would be the one to make a playoff run right because that just seems to be the way that it goes i don't know yeah i mean they've also just done this over and over like 2018 2019 they had to close strong to get in yep. and if they make it in this time 
it'll be the same thing. They had to close strong to get in. And 2019 was even more bizarre because Christian Yelich had his kneecap shattered and we're like, oh, okay, well, that's early in the month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it for it. And then they just stopped losing. And you're like, okay, I guess we're doing this again. So I don't know. It's it's a frustrating year and it's a frustrating uh, end run to it, too. I, I guess why would it be any different at the end of the season than it has been for the rest of the season? Like Exactly. You know, There's never been a reason to think like, Oh, they're, they just got to get a few things together and they'll be dynamite. Like, no, not really. This is just they're they're flawed in certain ways. And after 150 just... games, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, you know what this is? This is after having in 1982 and 1992, 1982 best year in franchise history. 1992, they had their last really good run with the 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 teams that Harry Dalton had assembled, even though he was gone at that point. Uh, but the last really good run of teams. 2002 is, I think, the worst year in franchise history, right? So 2002 is the like 106 losses, and that's why they were able to draft yeah. Ricky Weeks. Yeah. And then 2012 was the year where everything was fine, except their bullpen was literally the, like one of the five worst bullpens in baseball history. Yeah, and completely tanked that season for them, and so like undid all of the like it was a solid offense, it was a solid uh, starting pitching staff. And they end up doing that. So I guess now we're paying the penance for it. Every every year that ends in a two now, we're just getting pain <laughs> for the, the, the joy. Of twos. Yeah. yeah, for the joy yeah. that we got in 82 and I guess 92 as well. We're getting like just unmitigated pain now. Every time there's 40 a 40 years of, of suffering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, one last question about the playoff odds before we talk about a couple other things that happened this week. Uh, question from Throb Zombie, new patron, <laughs> uh, who says, appreciate the jokes on my name last episode, but I am not a football only fan. It's been listening since JP and Steve were on the team. Just am no longer super poor. So uh, <laughs> good on you, Throb Zombie, for that. Uh, his question here to end the season, what are your absolute best case scenarios and what would be the most heartbreaking? So, <laughs> Ryan, I think you covered it when you said just win all the games. That would be the best case scenario to me. But I guess what would be the most heartbreaking scenario? Win all the games and still miss. That would yeah, be that annoying. would suck. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. The the unrealistic one is um, catching the Cardinals and then just having them run away with their six pirate games at the end. But that's not actually going to happen. <laughs> so, um, I actually think it would be winning, like going on a real tear here, like eight wins and then losing out on the tiebreaker. That would be super annoying. Um, that would make me mad. So that's probably the worst case scenario. Um, best case scenario, though, is you know, uh, they get in, they manage to lean on their two studs and then sort of the the the, the Freddy duo <laughs> and uh, do some damage just uh, with their pitching and, and being all right. So it's possible. It happens. That, that would that would be good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, the best case of this is, yeah, they get in and they make a run and it oh. could happen, but it's just it's going to be very difficult. Yep. And I think we've all learned not to judge the patrons by their patron names. Um, yes, not, that's a fair lesson. And also not not judge the football fans for being <laughs> football fans. That was that was stereotyping on my part, and stereotyping is wrong. So apologies to you, Mr. Throb uh, Zombie. <laughs> I mean, let's a moment of appreciation for the fact that like that is a legitimately really good 
Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's really, it's, really, it's really good. So Top I, tier. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate Yes, absolutely. Any idiot can use their real name on the internet, but you know, it takes <laughs> a real genius to, to come up with that. So uh, welcome to the club and uh, thank you for that question. But yes, I, I, I am with you guys. Yeah, I think going like eight and one. And not even if like the last game is that loss and they lose out. I think it it's more heartbreaking, right, Paul? If they win that last game and is, still yes. lose on percentages or absolutely. Yeah. All right. Moving on, the next Patreon question comes from Chris Richards, another longtime listener, Ryan, mm-hmm. asking, what's your take on the wisdom of bringing Peralta, Lauer, and Ashby back this season as opposed to letting those young arms rest and recover for next year? So, um, you know, this is an interesting topic of conversation over the last week because all those guys are back now. And uh, as we kind of alluded to, plan going forward seems to be to sort of piggyback Freddie Peralta and Ashby uh, the rest of the way as they, you know, deal with their fatigue related issues. Uh, so mm-hmm. kind of putting them on a pitch count that way, but then still getting the benefits of pitching them. But uh, Eric Lauer looked kind of shaky the other night coming off the injured list as well so uh ryan let's start with you uh how do you feel about bringing back all three of those guys as opposed to just kind of shutting them down and and protecting the arms well i mean i have to think that if they thought it was dangerous to bring them back if it was it had the potential to do long-term damage they wouldn't do it so i'm just going to go ahead and assume that they're being reasonably cautious here and that this is something that like their medical staff has signed off on the guys are happy with and everybody's okay with this proceeding and i have no reason to think that it's not so i i just you know i'm not a doctor so i can't make that call and i think that they're being you know pretty pretty creative in how they're they're handling this the idea of having lower or sorry Peralta and ashby piggybacking and keeping them both to about 40 pitches today you know, or, you know, something approaching what a normal starter workload would be was smart. Now, granted, they weren't able to work very efficiently, especially uh, uh, Ashby, and they were only able to get, what was it, uh, three and uh, two-thirds innings out of the two of them. So hopefully that will increase, but maybe they're able to throw them for more like 50 pitches or 55 pitches next time out, and then that will be less of a problem, and maybe they're a bit more efficient. So... Mm -hmm. Granted, their their two appearances uh, remaining are going to come against a you know a Marlins team and a God I hope uh, Arizona team that shut it down at that point and is really just like not trying. Hopefully, we don't get like Zach Gallon in that last series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like honestly, why would you don't if you're Arizona? You're accepting why, fate right now. Yeah, why would you do that? Like, why would you? Why would you possibly do that? So, um, yeah, I I think that it's probably fine uh and you know we wouldn't know if it wasn't anyway because we're not doctors and we're not looking at the mris so yeah and while we're all kind of down on their playoff chances to a large extent this does still matter and if they are healthy and can give you quality innings um they can make a a significant marginal difference in the win total at the end here so Mm -hmm. um until you're until you're eliminated properly you should do this if as long as the doctor's determine that there's no long-term damage possible or or likely you can never rule out anything but um you know you're weighing risk here that's the job of the team and there's a lot at stake so they should keep they should definitely do it if they can yeah yeah i was gonna bring that up too like especially if you're pushing the the bites at the apple thing that gets mocked so frequently 
Uh, if you, if you put that out there and then you shut these guys down, what does that say? And, you know, it, it just the appearances alone on that would not be great. Right. So you, you kind of need to have them pitch a little bit just to kind of show you're still making a good faith effort here. But oof, I don't know. Um, well, especially a, when I, somebody like Eric Lauer goes running to the media and complaining and talking like if he said, well, I said I was good to pitch, but they said now nah, we're shutting you down then. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that playing very poorly in certain quarters. So, yeah, I guess yeah. He, he kind of has to put his money where his mouth is and just go out and pitch. And he was on Friday night. I thought he was he was fairly crisp. He was hitting his locations on the corners. He was either just missing hitting and not getting the calls on the edges or Reds hitters were actually making contact and like getting stuff through the infield on pitches that he had put like on the outside corner or even off the corner and they're making contact like that. So it was kind of a frustrating uh, outing from that perspective where you're like, he's not actually pitching that bad. This could go like this could be going a lot better, but it's also, you know, he was throwing a lot of pitches, especially I think he threw 41 in that first inning and that was that had to be yeah. just like making everybody's stomach churn in the dugout because I was watching it and like cringing. Yeah, when you you're on the injured list for an elbow thing and then your first appearance back, you throw forty pitches in an inning. Probably not how you wanted to start. Right. Indeed. Uh, yeah, but that's, just wanna, that's a good point too. Yeah. Break in for some breaking news, which is that Jimmy Garoppolo has just committed an Orlovsky. Oh no! He has accidentally stepped on the end line of his end zone, um, committing a safety, and uh, you don't see him very often. Uh, also, very very comically, on a big end racism sign that was painted into the end line of the end zone, it's the best ad for ending racism I've ever seen. Um, so, running full speed into that, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy G now uh, immortal forever. Yeah, that's yeah his new ad modeling campaign. That's great. Oh man, <laughs> wonder what his grandma will say about that in the next ad. <laughs> oh boy! All right, uh, so we talked about the the pitching going forward. I think I agree that you know at least having those guys out there a lot better than throwing whatever junk you could have. You know, I feel a lot better about the <laughs> Peralta Ashby piggyback than I do another Jason Alexander start in a must win series. <laughs> so there's that. Um, Okay, I guess turning our attention now to the off season and what would be an interesting off season. Jay Google, our friend, asking uh, about a piece of news that broke over the week. So Luis Castillo signed a an extension with the Seattle Mariners after uh, that deadline deal shipped him out out west. It's uh, what five years, one hundred eight million, which I thought was maybe kind of light for a pitcher of Castillo's caliber, but also he's had some injury concerns. Mm -hmm. Um. So that, that was kind of interesting to me. So Jay's question here is, with Luis Castillo signing his deal, do you think Burns or Woodruff would sign that type of deal? Uh, Paul, let's start with you on that one. Um, I think they'll cost more. Um, so yep. maybe similar, but if they get an extra year and more money, I wouldn't be that surprised. So I guess my real answer is not really. I think that they'll both take more to actually extend um, then Castillo, I think that especially Burns has a better ceiling and has won a Cy Young, and, um, uh, and Woodruff's good too, obviously. Um, and um, so, n no, I, I, it might be a good model to like base it off of and start negotiations because it's recent and it's similar, and it's good to have those for comps. But I do think both will command 
a, a good amount more than that. Um, Burns, definitely. For sure. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah. I don't think this is at all a comp for Burns. I think that he is at least a tier above this, if not a couple tiers. Yep. And we were so, talking last week, right? Like thirty yeah. billion per year. Is the yeah, I think that's at like, least right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. I mean, unless he's not looking to extract every dollar, I, I, and I don't know why he would be at you know two years from free agency like this. I would think you would just be going for it. So, whatever. Um, I, I do really firmly disagree on the Woodruff thing though because I actually ran the numbers on this on oh, yeah? over the okay. weekend and. Woodruff and Castillo are incredibly close comps. So um, since 2019, so basically the bulk of their career as as starters, because before that, both of them were kind of in and out of the rotation a little bit and you know, whatever. They both kind of went into the rotation for a full season for the first time in 2019. Since 2019, Woodruff has a, a 516 innings and Castillo 587. So actually, Castillo has been a little bit more durable. Uh, he's missed less okay. time. So yep. Uh, that has been a, a, a boon to him. Um, but Woodruff has been a little bit better in terms of preventing runs. He has a 139 ERA plus, so 39% better than park-adjusted league average, whereas Castillo has been a 134. So Castillo is a little bit worse there. Um, and then if you look at like Woodruff uh, K to base on ball ratio, one of the things I look at first when I'm trying to assess how good a pitcher is, um, Woodruff's considerably better there 4.72 strikeouts for every walk he's thrown since 2019 started and castillo is 3.02 um so there's a little bit of a of a uh, a difference there in terms of how good they are but there's also some important contextual things oh and also they're three months apart in terms of age so huh they're they're almost really? exactly yeah they're almost exactly the same age so that part I of it i thought castillo was younger for some reason nope they're they're almost exactly the same age, so that part of it tracks perfectly well together. The other thing here is that Castillo did this with one year remaining before free agency, and Woodruff will be going with two. So if he were to sign this extension this year, it would be two years of, of arbitration and then three years of free agency, whereas Castillo is doing this with uh, one year of arbitration and four years of free agency. So that also tilts things a little bit back. So I really think that like if you're going to start a negotiation, um, it it honestly makes a lot of sense for them to be starting at basically the exact same point. So uh, in terms of and and I kind of think that if you were to offer this exact deal to Woodruff, uh, his agent would have to look at it and say, "That's pretty much the market for you. Like you're, mm. this is pretty much what." we would expect now maybe he wants more than that maybe he wants to fight i think you can make an argument that castillo may have taken a little bit lower than what he could have gotten well definitely right. than on the free agent market and he's also only one year away so he was their, closer to being able to do that their dras are actually really close too. um hmm. woodruff 329 and castillo's 343 woodruff 16th right now and castillo is 19th uh, for starters basically so there there you are correct they're really really close yeah, and then like the fact that the ages matched up that well, I was like, oh wow, yeah. they're really, really similar in a lot of ways. They've they almost perfectly you know comp to each other. They're different in in a lot of ways. I think that uh, yeah, one of the things with Castillo, did you see how much he struggles in cold weather? He no. If you look at what he when he pitches below like forty degrees or below like fifty degrees, he's terrible. And when he's above like sixty, he's great. 
So hmm. there's there does seem to be some uh, appearance that uh, weather does factor in what he's doing. So being in Seattle, where it's temperature yeah. controlled and indoors, just and, close the roof. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> that really shouldn't be much of a factor. And it doesn't really ever get all that cold in Seattle, except for like the depths of winter. So yeah, like it, I think that this is uh, it, it's an interesting one from that perspective. It really would come down to. Uh, do the team and the player want to do it because it's almost a perfect, it's almost a perfect match where they, you really could see this uh, just like, it could be the world's shortest contract negotiation where it's just like, well, he set the market. These players are very similar. We could dicker a little bit over the details or whatever, but really this is basically what the market is now. So here we go. Yeah, that's, it's super interesting to kind of see that. And I think everybody sort of, looks at Woodruff as as the more attainable of the two, right? To lock down long term, uh, especially post Cy Young for Corbin Burns. But mm-hmm. um it, yeah, it, it really does depend on, you know, what the player wants. You know, Seattle also has has a thing going on where it's a very young, fun team that just locked in its uh, apparently generational talent mm-hmm. for for a very long time. Uh so those players know that, you know, Julio's gonna be there forever and kind of be the anchor of that team Mm -hmm. um and and players as as we've talked about with all this contract stuff appreciate you know certainty more than anything else uh so um that can factor into you know by all accounts woodruff seems like uh, a guy who who likes milwaukee and seems pretty chill with the way things are going on likes the coaching staff so maybe he'd be amenable to that but um then, you know, my question goes to because I guess we, we didn't really talk about Willie Adamas setting the franchise record for home runs by a shortstop or what, whatever crazy, uh, very specific, <laughs> you know, thing was. But, you know, he's coming. Uh, he's going to be coming off another very good year, uh, you know, presumably, as, as some have said, the, the back to back team MVP. So then you start looking at him possibly for a long term extension. So I guess, Paul, if you had to choose, would you lock down the bat or the arm? Mm, um, I think in this case, the arm only because I'm not trusting bats right now. I don't sure. No, so here's the thing. Normally, I am always bat and maybe that's where i'd land if i thought about this more just because arms are riskier and put it making large investments in arms is just not something that my risk analysis likes to do mm-hmm. but it's also think of the team right now and we did just have paying a bat blow up in our faces to a significant <laughs> amount uh and i'm like i'm i am not like in the obp profile um, that well, then maybe that'll get fixed with just the ball getting back to normal in a more normal season. But um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to keep the strength of the current team as much as possible. Um, I want bats too, but I feel like they can get better bats. Um, um, not not at that position, but um, uh, like I, I guess give me what give me my known quantities at the moment for the time being. But I'm torn on it. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the GM for this decision because I hate paying pitchers, but I think it might be the right thing to do anyway. Yeah, this one is tough, and it's you're doing it at a time when he's not old, and so you're not so much worried about yeah. that. So, like, you're talking about paying him for his age 30 to 34 seasons. It's not young, though, either. That's the other thing. No, it's not. Yeah. But It's not old, but, like, that's He doesn't not... have a ton of innings on the arm, though. That's another yeah. consideration. Yeah. Uh, and they have been doing a lot in terms of, like, protecting him and making sure that he is... Uh, 
that when there is an injury, he has been uh, sidelined quickly and, you know, only allowed back when he was okay. And so we haven't seen him like go through long stretches where he seems to be like pitching at less than 100%. Like that's one thing that you, that you can kind of say about this team is they're not doing what teams do sometimes, which is to run compromised pitchers out there. They're pretty wary about that and don't like yeah. to do it. So if a guy is showing like, look how quickly they pulled the plug on Willie, even though he was going relatively fine in some of those starts because they didn't like what was coming out of his hand and what they were seeing in terms of velocity and spin rates. So they, they said, no, we're not doing this. You're getting shut down again. Um, so I would, I would feel okay about that, but yeah, I, I have the same problem you do, which is don't trust pitchers. Like right. I just, you, you do not want to trust pitchers with big money, but then again, this isn't, this isn't a remarkable amount of money. You're paying them basically $20 million a year and, Yes, that's a lot, and yes, especially given the context of what they have going on with Christian Yelich and how they that seems to be a deal that's not going to work out in uh, spectacular fashion for them in terms of mm-hmm. ROI. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I think I would probably I, well, I would do both of them. I did say I I tweeted on uh, Saturday after I was talking about this. I'm like priorities for the winter, and number one was extend Woodruff and Adamas would yeah. be my, my priority. So I think, you know, I, I'm going to be the why not both girl here yeah. and say that. But <laughs> if I had to choose, I'll go with my my hitter uh, and anti-pitcher bias and say I'll take Adamas. But I, yeah. that's a tough one. I mean, you're also Adamas is a few years younger and you're talking about a shortstop uh, who's a very good defender. So yeah. you have like that to fall back on as well. But I also right. don't know what exactly it would take. Like we have a comp for, for Woodruff now That's to say true. this is kind of what's reasonable. So, you know, if he demands a lot more than that, okay, great. You know, best of luck to you going out on the free agent market and getting that. Have fun. Um, that's fine. But if with Adamus, I just don't even we don't know. I don't think we have a good comp right now. I would I, nothing yeah. has come into mind in terms of because the guys who've signed the young shortstops who've signed big extensions have been signing them when they're like a year in, like Tatis right. and Wander Franco, and those guys are on another level from where Adamas is. So I just I I'm not sure exactly how I would even try to figure that out right now. There's there's not a good comp that's coming right to my head for what Adamas is. I Ryan, just you... wish I wish Adamus was a little better. I, I think that's where it comes down to for me. He's not bad at all. He's good. He's valuable. It's just that when we got him, he looked like he was going to be, you know, one of like the five best shortstops in the league, which was a silly thing to think because you know that small sample size. But like I, I do wish like he was a little bit less flawed than he is. Like, just a little bit higher on base percentage, a little bit better batting average. The power is nice. He's not a great defender. He's okay. Like I, I just wish he was like the star and not like a slightly above average shortstop, which is kind of where he lands. I mean, but if you add it all up, Paul, like he's got almost five Fangraphs wins this year. He's at four point eight. Like I don't That's know. That's a lot. I hate this season. This season is stupid. Like <laughs> yeah, like this is such a dumb season. That's that's ridiculous. Damn. The eye test definitely doesn't match up with the numbers this year, right? It's, that's it's garbage. because of batting average. His batting average is low, which is dragging yeah. down his on-base percentage. But if you look at his walk rate and you look at his power, both of those things are good. Or they're like the the walk rate is fine, and the the power is outstanding for a shortstop. I mean, it's 
you know, it's really, really good. It's historical <laughs> for a shortstop to have that much power for this franchise. So, and, you know, we've had some shortstops who could hit for power. So it's not like we've been bereft of those guys. It's been a while, but we've had shortstops who hit for power, but never have hit for this many home runs. So yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's a tough one. It's just, uh, so I, I have to look now and see like the shortstop leaderboard here. Willie Thomas is sixth in the big leagues. Lindor has 6.7. Bogarts has 6.1. Dansby has 5.8. Trey Turner, 5.7. Edmund, 5.3. And then there's Willie at at number six. Prospectus has him as a 2.6 war player. That seems seems quite a bit better, more accurate to me personally. How did they get, I mean, do they have him as a bad defender? Uh, Hold on. Sorry, I was checking reference, so I closed my tab. Um, and I'm not sure. I, I have I have two. Uh, this is like the mini pod. I have like too many tabs open right now because I had <laughs> score. I had Scorigami open to see if we were going to have one, and I have too many prospectus pages open. <laughs> I have Luis Castillo's page open and Woodruff's page open. Oh, let's see. What, what he is? Where is he bad? Um, uh, it doesn't really. I gotta go to. I'm on summary. I need to go to. Sorry, this is taking too long. It's very boring. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. We, mate, we have a short podcast Xander tonight, Bogarts. so it's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. You you mentioned Xander Bogarts. Maybe that ends up kind of being a baseline for a Willie Adamas contract because he's he's up soon. But I don't know it. I mean, it would be the Bogarts first contract, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like that's now six years old, five years old. Like it's been a while. So that one. That's true. Yeah, yeah, like that one's tough. I I don't know. I mean, they like so Fangraphs, which is basically now using the Statcast defensive metrics. Yeah. So their defense is no longer based on UZR. It's the uh, basically the Statcast one, Not right? Sure. It's okay. a huge advance, and they have them as thirteen point six um, runs above average. Well, so. there's your problem. Yeah, FRAA has them at negative point four runs um, below average. So, oh, so go. it's almost a two-win swing on yep. just that. Yeah, oh, okay. It. So it's a win and a half swing just on that. Okay, that yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because um, I was gonna say the rest of it, like he's an above-average base runner, one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have one point two at, at the prospectus for base runner. Okay, so they're they're in agreement on that. Yeah, the FRAA versus the uh, the versus the the defensive metric at at Fangraphs. Man, that's really doing a lot of heavy lifting right there. It is. Yeah, I I probably lean towards because my eye test says that he's an exceptional shortstop. So my eye test is not that at all. Oh really? <laughs> yes, my my eye oh. test is he he is at best. He throws a lot of stuff away. Yeah, he's too, at best an average shortstop. I don't think his range is all that good compared to a lot of the truly good defensive shortstops. I think he's oh. an average to slightly below average defensive shortstop. I wish he was a better shortstop than he is. Oh. Hmm. yeah we're very yeah okay we're way different on that one because yeah we are i think he's really really good uh reference agrees with fan graphs for what it's worth they have a 4.8 so also very good and defense 1.8 above so just pretty much the same yeah i am now man this is really like this is really throwing me off uh because i didn't (laughs) i didn't think of that at all in terms of uh yeah okay so going over to the fielding bible now <laughs> we're, like, we're just we're searching stuff like uh, we're gonna have to ask judge why he hates willie adamas personally <laughs> yeah like i just i'm not sure what is going on with this because 
Um, okay, so over at the Fielding Bible, they have him as. Did you? Uh, where is his? I'm not seeing it. Why am I having trouble finding it here? Um, looks like they have him above average. Plus 11, minus 2, plus 1. Shift, no <laughs> shift. What is total? Oh, 9. Okay. They have him, they have him at 9. So that's right. a lot closer to the, the 13 that, it is. Yeah, it is. that they had him at. So there seems to be the outlier here seems to be baseball perspectives. perspectives. Yep. Yeah, everybody else seems to be in, in large agreement that he is a well above average defensive shortstop. So wild. I had no idea. All right. Well, I feel like we're going to have all winter to maybe debate William Thomas. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that conversation for now. Uh, kind of wrap things up for this week. A reminder, patrons get question priority both on this podcast and the reporting as eligible podcast where you definitely need that question priority just to make sure your question gets in at this rate, um, especially after this last week. So uh, patreon.com slash MKE tailgate there. And you also do when you get uh, when you sign up, I should say, you get a shout out here on the podcast as uh, Mr. Throb Zombie found out last week. And we have a new patron this week, Ryan. Who, who are we wel- welcoming? Um, welcome to William Novak. Or maybe you go by Bill or Billy. I, I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, welcome. Welcome to Mr. Novak for uh, for your support. We appreciate it. Yeah. Welcome aboard. There we go. Maybe that's a football one, Paul. I don't I'll just stop speculating on all these. <laughs> it's a very normal name, William Novak. Uh, well, William, thank you for signing up as well. And a reminder, uh, even if you are not a patron, you can support us another way. Just go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. Five-star review gets your comment read on the podcast here by Paul. Um, and yeah. while you're there, please do hit that subscribe button, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get your podcast, please do subscribe or follow. Make sure you don't miss an episode and you get that push alert whenever Ryan posts these episodes. All right. I guess we will continue to keep an eye on the Brewers playoff odds as thin as they may be. But, you know, in the infamous words of Ned Yost, the math is on our side somehow and uh <laughs> we'll, we'll keep an eye on that fingers crossed that the brewers gain more than a half game in the next week and uh we will uh recap all of that next week here on milwaukee's tailgate have a good one everyone <laughs> <laughs>